0: This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL.
1: Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlinski, and as always... I'm joined by Nick Horwat, and I know I say this a lot. Actually, I start the show off with this a lot by saying, oh, the sky must be falling because the Penguins have lost back-to-back games. But realistically, I think both me and you, Horwat, know that the sky is nowhere close to falling. If anything, it is just kind of sagging a little bit after the last couple of losses. Sky's not falling, but uh,
0: we still have to collect wins, guys. Do we? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah,
1: we, yeah, do. we do. Obviously, we, we, our
0: playoff spot is not 100% yet.
1: Yeah. Well, at the same exact time, the Islanders luckily lost on Tuesday evening. So that drops the magic number to seven, which means the Penguins need to win four games the rest of the way. If And the Islanders, in that case, would have to also win out. So they have a playoff spot, and we'll get into that. And we'll get into a little bit of Jeff Carter, a little bit of lineup decisions, and then we'll do shoutouts and callouts. But let's start here. I mean, Penn's Avs. Doesn't go well for the Pittsburgh Penguins for the second straight game. They lose by a score of 6-4. to four. So, Horat, what did you see from the Pittsburgh Penguins in this game? I thought they came out flying.
0: You know what? It was already a better... Uh, for a good chunk of it, it was already a better game than the last because we were able to hold on to a tie. Um, and... That's about it. <laughs> we were able to hold on to a tie. It wasn't the same set sort of game. I mean, the Penguins were able to stay in it, but... Um, No, I'd say the back half of the game was not pretty. Just by sheer scoring-wise, we weren't able to uh, keep momentum. Like I said, sure, it looked better after the first period because we were able to hold on to something and keep the game close. Uh, But then just that back half going down by two again, sure, uh, Evan Rodriguez was able to pick one up and try and maybe keep it interesting, but just not enough. Um, Even an Evan Rodriguez goal in this economy isn't enough to
1: bolster us past this very good Colorado Avalanche team. Yeah, watching that game last night, and it's the first time that it's happened that I can remember this season when they went down by two, even though it was only halfway through the game, I didn't really see a path back for the Pittsburgh Penguins in that game. They played really well in the first, and I thought if they could get back to that game, but the way that they were playing in the second period... Even until late in the second period, even when Evan Rodriguez scored that goal to bring it within one, I don't know why, I just just didn't feel as if the Penguins had it at that point. It, It felt like it was a little bit of a big lead to overcome, it felt like, you know, obviously seeing Darcy Kemper and what he did to the Penguins on Saturday, it seemed like for the first time in a long time, I didn't have the confidence in them to come back. Now that's just me personally, I know a lot of other people might have, but it, it's just the way that they were playing, the lines that they were deploying, and the way that they overall looked and the feel of the game. It didn't feel like the Penguins had their footing after that amazing first period. It feels like that was everything they had, and then the rest of the game, it was just you know a step down. It was. It was. It, you can't get going into the third where
0: you're only down by one, and you still might have a chance at it. You can't give up a goal in the first minute, minute and a second uh, to immediately give yourself another hole. Sure, you're able to hold him off for another 15 minutes, but uh, again, Darren Helm, who we discussed uh, in brief last episode or the episode before, of just how he's still in this league, he's not a guy you want. He's not the guy on the Avalanche you want scoring against you, especially the game-winning goal, eventual. Yeah, especially that. So it's it wasn't an ideal game, and I get we're playing against a very good team. I get that. Uh, our playoff spot is all but solidified but at the same time i want to see a little more green than a little more red in our win loss column I, we can be in the playoffs all we want but only picking up two wins in the last one, two, three, four, seven. six, seven games that's not good enough mm-hmm. i'm sure I, I i'm with you that the team is looking good while losing i am eventually going to get over that i'm eventually yeah, but they didn't on tuesday that's the thing exactly we had this discussion on on monday though it's this team can look good and lose sure i'm gonna get over that quickly if they cannot finish because what are the playoffs all about finishing Mm -hmm. so sure fall back on your it's not a loser mentality i'm gonna i'll start there it's not loser mentality that you are uh holding on to the fact that they are playing well against a very good team that they are Mm -hmm. um you know for the for the two for the uh saturday game at least that they are staying in a game against the top team in the league Mm -hmm. but you can't hold on to that um for too much longer eventually it will become a loser mentality that hey we look good well you lost so how about you win a couple of games again two wins in the last seven is not ideal fam it's not i don't care how we did it (laughs)
1: Yeah, and I do want to preface this by going back on, on my previous comment that I made a couple minutes ago. It's not that they looked bad the entire game. The first period, they were amazing. They were really good. They should have had a lead going into the first period. I think that, in part, is the reason that they lost a little bit of momentum going into the second, because they should have been up 2-1, to one, possibly even 3-1 to one after the first period of play, considering the chances that they had created. But, I mean, when you lead 12-5 to five in scoring chances, yet... Are tied at one after a period of play, that's when it becomes an issue. Right now, the issue that I'm seeing is with their finishing ability. And it's been like that for a while. And we've said, okay, they have time to fix it. This player's down, this player's down, this person's on their way back up. But when you're at the point now where I'm looking at the Penguins' roster and their lineup, and Evan Rodriguez, even though he scored that goal, is still on a cold streak. I think you can still classify him as as having a cold streak. Kasperi Kapanen is still trying to fight his way back. Danton Heinen seems like he's starting to get to the low point of his season. Jeff Carter, who had his 800th assist in that game on Tuesday, he is struggling, and, and we'll talk about it a little bit later, but he's in a position where he should not be in. And that is the second line left wing. We'll talk about that in the second segment. But when you start to say, okay over half of our lineup is either a player that is in a cold streak or they're a player that we don't expect to be playing on this team, i.e. Anthony Angelo, i.e. potentially Brian Boyle, once the playoffs start, that's when you have to say, okay, this is starting to look like a problem, especially because it is in the last month of the season. I'm not throwing up any red flags. I'm not saying, hey, this is a warning. This is this is awful. But this is something that is starting to bother me a little bit. How did Dayton Hyde again and not play seven minutes? What is going on here? <laughs> what lesson is he trying? Is he just not there? Like, is he is he the guy that gets scratched? Is that where we're at at this point? Once people get healthy? I don't know
0: what the hell is going on with this season and with this team right now. Like, mm-hmm. are we just experimenting that hard? Is it... I, I'm getting... Uh, we have no I have no answers. I have no answers of what is going on with this team. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna get sick quickly of the loser mentality that is looking good while losing i'm going to continue to ask questions of what the hell is happening with this lineup sure you want to experiment because your playoff spot is all but solidified
1: but damn it i need consistency we'll talk about that in the second segment with the experimentation because there's experimenting and i get it but you're doing it the wrong way in my opinion if you're mike sullivan i think they're doing it in an incorrect fashion that is not helping and in fact i think it's probably hurting the penguins heading into the postseason. Before we close out this segment specifically, I know it was a quick segment. We didn't have much to touch on when it comes to that game on Tuesday because it was basically good first period, bad rest of the game. The top team in the league took it to the Pittsburgh Penguins. And they scored, the Penguins scored two goals in garbage time. Otherwise that game would have looked entirely different. But the last thing I want to ask you, what, is your final takeaway from this home and home this specific two game set against the Colorado Avalanche. Uh
0: hopefully the Avalanche can't get over their hump in the playoffs and we don't see them in the finals. <laughs> um we do as good as they are, we need to play better. Period. I think we need to start rising to challenges a little more because it's not that we're all out losing to bad teams. We beat Minnesota we have one up on new york somewhere but we got to start looking better against these good teams in the playoffs or Mm -hmm. these good teams that are playoff teams because again in the playoffs we're playing against only good teams you can't Mm -hmm. play good and lose to good teams in the playoffs because that means you just took an l and you're out in the first round for the fourth year in a row let's figure that out let's rise to some occasions here let's i don't know look ahead and see a mountaintop and say we're gonna crush that tired of going into these games against good teams and thinking we're gonna play well but does that mean we're gonna win just just get over our little game hump here
1: yeah and that's what i think it is with the pittsburgh penguins my takeaway from this home and home with the colorado avalanche first and foremost the colorado avalanche are the real freaking deal i know they have a hump to climb i know they have that that Glass ceiling that they need to break through because they haven't been able to get to the conference finals in this current iteration of their team. But at the same time, this is a team that is playing right now without Nazem Kadri, who is one of the best players in the league this season, and without their captain and Gabriel Landeskog, and they are still probably without them the best team in the National Hockey League. So they are that damn good. That is the first thing that I took away from this. And the second thing that I took away is that the Penguins don't have an issue skating. With other teams. The talent is there for the Pittsburgh Penguins. They have it. The finishing is a real issue because guess what? 12 to 5 in scoring chances in that first period, you should have had at least two goals on Darcy Kemper. I get he's a good goaltender, but at some point we can't just keep saying, well, we got goalie because that guy's good we got goalie because that guy's good at some point you have to just score goals because you are a goal scoring team and right now the penguins seem like a really good team in puck possession a really good team and in, in shooting chances and in high danger chances but they are an awful team when it comes to finishing and at the end of the day if you can't finish nothing else really makes a difference exactly exactly you can look good all you want it's about getting wins get a dirty win look terrible and get a win I'd be more impressed I with that. I think they, they sort of did that uh, on Thursday against Minnesota. That's why everybody was. That's why I was so high on them after that Minnesota game. I loved the way that they played because they didn't necessarily outskate the wild. They didn't outplay the wild. They didn't outchance the wild. But they fought. They were. It was grinding. And they finished when they needed to finish. That goal by Evgeny Malkin is the epitome of them pushing forward and persevering when the bounces aren't going their way. They need more of yeah, that. Yeah, wasn't there a couple of full playoff
0: series in our back to back run that where we straight up were not the better team but won?
1: I they weren't the better team against Ottawa half the time. Yeah, exactly. They were they were not able to beat Ottawa half the time. We remember they won one of those games one to nothing, and Phil Kessel scored with like three minutes left in the game. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's this is just uh Yeah, that and and the other one that comes to mind is the twenty sixteen Tampa Bay Lightning, Eastern Conference Finals. Yes. Yeah.
0: I was thinking of a, one of the they, Washington series too, but uh, maybe that was just game game here
1: there. Yeah, those were very even series. But, I mean, I get what you're saying. They need to take that underdog mentality, not quite a loser mentality. Take the underdog mentality because that's what has worked for them in the past, and that's where they're at. Like, nobody sees them as a Stanley Cup favorite. The people that do are either just really high on the Pittsburgh Penguins because they're really behind them or the, the same time they just they have that belief that because it's Sidney Carlsby and Evgeny Malkin that they are a favorite but they're not a favorite this year they need to take that mentality that scrappy swagger that they seem to not have right now that's what those teams had in 2016 2017 they had a little bit of an edge they had a little bit of a swagger and as we'll talk about in the second segment because I have a rant to go on about this they had some youth uh, but we'll talk about that a little bit later like you said the Penguins have lost five of the previous seven games. I understand that the playoffs are all but assured right now for the Penguins, but you need to be playing well going into it, or else you're not going to perform very well in the postseason. We've seen that a lot. Not many teams that have a losing record in the final month leading up to the Stanley Cup playoffs are able to turn it around at the flip of a switch and at the drop of a hat as soon as the playoff logo goes on the ice. So we'll see what happens with that. Three games coming up for the Penguins this weekend. We're not going to preview them, because the Penguins have played all three of these teams in fairly recent memory, but they're all on national television. We stated last episode that the Penguins have seemed to rise to the occasion on national TV, Well, the next three games will all be on national TV. Thursday at the New York Rangers, I'm very jealous of my friend Niall, if he's listening to this, because he is working in New York this week. And he got tickets to see that game at MSG, which is on my bucket list. So I hate him for that.
0: Damn nice. Love to see that.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to see the pictures. I'm jealous. Very jealous. So the the Rangers, Penguins, that's the final time they will match up this season before probably a first round matchup in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So they play on Thursday, then back-to-back games on Saturday and Sunday at PPG Paints Arena Saturday against the Washington Capitals and on Sunday against the Nashville Predators. Horvat, I'm pretty sure it's obvious that the least important game is against the Nashville Predators, but which of those two at Rangers or versus Capitals is more important? Rangers,
0: because again, we have to beat the teams that are better than us. We have to play well against the teams that are better than us, and we have to finish against those teams, especially if we're going to be seeing them for four to seven
1: in May. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's pretty important that they play well, obviously, against Washington, but that's usually a given. There's only one game that they haven't played well against Washington in recent memory, and I was I happened to be in the stands for that one. So there's been a
0: couple, but uh, we just don't remember them.
1: Yeah, usually try to block that out. But uh, nonetheless, it's going to be an important weekend. It's going to be a tough weekend stretch for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Those are three difficult games. Not to mention the fact that it is three games in four days as well. We'll see Casey to Smith probably at least once in that stretch there. But we're going to take a quick break. When we return, let's dive into this lineup, shall we? I think we all, I mean, we had to hold off a couple times in that segment from talking about the Penguins lineup. So we're going to release the reins, and we're going to get going here in the second segment right here on the tip of the iceberg. The NHL season has been packed with dirty dangles, hat tricks, and big wins. As the action rolls on, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has your shot to win big too. New customers can bet just $1 on any team to get $150 in free bets if they win. That's right, a bump in the win column for your team means free bets for you. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have a shot to light the lamp. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customer a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THBN, bet just $1 on any NHL team, and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THBN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older, restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Welcome back to the tip of the iceberg podcast brought to you as always by the hockey podcast network as well as DraftKings. Make sure you use promo code THPN the DraftKings Sportsbook app for great odds and opportunities. I usually do that before the last segment, so I don't know why I did that, but you know what? We're going to roll with it. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the Penguins lineup, shall we? Uh, first and foremost, before I even say the lineup from Tuesday, which was pretty identical to the one that we saw on Saturday at Ball Arena in Colorado, the one thing that I think, is the one thing that definitely needs to change the most is Jeff Carter. Uh he's played the previous two games on Malkin's left wing. I understand, and we both said it, experimenting with the lineup a little bit, but that one makes absolutely zero sense to me. It really does. In those two games, he does have an assist. He picked that up on Tuesday. He's a minus two. Take that for what you will, it's plus minus. And I also understand it was against the best team in the league. So you can you can take it with a grain of salt because of the competition he was facing. But at the same time, I don't want to see Jeff Carter on the line with getting Malkin. Even if it works well, I think for the rest of the lineup, that's just – it's kind of handcuffing you in my opinion. So what do you think about Jeff Carter where he's currently deployed? Yeah,
0: I don't like it either. It does just – it screws you a little because you bump Luger up to the third line, which is fine, and you have Boyle centering the fourth, which is also fine. I don't hate that. That's not the issue. The centering isn't the issue really. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's the fact that you now have – angelo in the lineup as a winger whenever if you just plot carter back down to where he should be on the th- as third line center uh blooger goes down to fourth line center you move boyle over into angelo's spot and you just have to bring in someone who can fill in that that vacant space a little better than an anthony angelo i mean sure we need brock McGinn to get back in this lineup and to be fair looking at and jason zucker i was that's the one I'm forgetting here we need Jason Zucker back in this lineup too because I mean in reality who are you sticking on that right wing there on that second line who because Kapanen's not doing it anymore Rodriguez isn't doing it anymore they apparently don't like Dan Heinen anymore so it it's a bunch of question marks but it's having him up on the second line with with Malkin it's it's not ideal for the team. It's fine if it works, but it's just not good for the rest of the bottom
1: six. That is now just a bunch of what the hell. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a jumbled mess when I look at, at that lineup and here, let me bring it up really quickly. The lineup, the penguins deployed on Tuesday night against the best team in the league. Mind you, Gensel Crosby rust. I think we all agree that that is the first line. So we don't need to talk about that anymore. Raquel Malkin and Carter. Raquel Malkin, I like. Carter's the issue there. And understandably, at full health, you would imagine Jason Zucker is the guy to go there. So I understand that there is a hole that needs to be filled. But the Penguins at their best. Peak Pittsburgh Penguins lineup is with Teddy Bluger as your fourth line center. Not as your third line center. Because he might be able to play third line center. But it's a matter of what you leave there. You leave Boyle as your 4C. You leave Angelo in the lineup. Anthony Angelo should not be in this lineup. I don't know if you're trying to experiment with certain things. I don't understand why Angelo is even an option. At this yeah, game. whenever
0: we have a discussion of who's the first call-up from the minors this year, I don't think Angelo ever crossed our minds. Nothing against the guy. He played fine in his first couple of uh, test runs. But we got Drew O'Connor. There's uh, Redeem Zahorna uh they had hollander up for a coffee um who am i forgetting björquist um yep there's a long list of names Yeah, there's a long list of names that are going to be more nhl ready
1: in the near future than anthony angelo i where did this one come from listen if it walks like a duck and it it quacks like a duck it's a freaking duck and anthony angelo By duck, I mean sub-replacement level player at this point. Like, we know what he is. There's no more progression to Anthony Angelo's game. And you already have that in the lineup. You have Brian Boyle, who does exactly what Anthony Angelo does, but better. Why do you need a second Brian Boyle, a lesser Walmart dollar store version of Brian Boyle in the lineup when you already have Brian Boyle? Like, we can make arguments to keep Boyle in the lineup, and I'm fine with that. But we don't need the ugly stepsister. We don't need Anthony Angelo. There are plenty of... And it's not that they don't have anybody else. There are plenty of other names. And that is my biggest question there. Is back in 2016, the trademark for the Penguins was what? Oh, well, Mike Sullivan came up and he brought a rash of young players. If you remember, that was the beginning of Connor Sherry. At that time, it was Connor Sherry, but it, it was the beginning of Connor Sherry. It was the beginning of Brian Rust. It was the beginning of Scott Wilson. It was the beginning of Tom Kunakle. If you remember, all of those guys were integral parts to multiple Stanley Cup championships the following year and a half. Why now are we bringing up 26, 27-year-olds that don't play the style of game that lends to Mike Sullivan's system when we have guys down there that are similar to what Kunakle, Wilson... uh? Who else did I say? Rust, Sherry, similar to what they have. I understand you're trying to experiment. Why are you not experimenting with youth? The Penguins are the fifth oldest team in the National Hockey League. They are average age is 29 years old, which is not an awful thing until you consider that they are forcefully keeping players like Casper Bjorkfist, Valteri Pustinen, Philip Hollander, Neeland. Yeah, I was about to say Alex. Alex Nylander, and Drew O'Connor out of the lineup. What you cannot make that argument that Anthony Angelo is that much better for you than any of those players that I just yeah, mentioned. I, They're all more skilled. They all lend to what you're missing right now, which is finish. All of these guys can score more than Anthony Angelo. So I don't I just I don't understand what mike sullivan and ron hextall and brian burke are looking at when they say hey we're going to experiment and by that we mean we're going to play anthony angelo over five younger players that have more of a scoring touch yep that's what i was, I was going to do that i was going to list down all the names that we have
0: uh and i was going to ask you wh- who would you put angelo in over and i guarantee it's none of them none of them because i was going to list off drew o'connor valtteri pustin and uh redeems a horn i'm trying to read the list right in front of me and i can't uh casper mm-hmm. bjorkwist even a michael chaput who's been in the league before
1: um, no no because that to me that's the same thing as angelo sure but then why I do you was gonna, why do you need that you're right but
0: it's it, i feel like it's more nhl experience and we know he's probably better than angelo but then i was going to toss in the oh yeah did we forget we have former 65 nhl games played in a single season alex nylander on this team hello and he's
1: he's been playing well for wilkes yep questions i have so many questions why Uh, that's i I just i don't understand it because you saw the formula in 2016 and i know they all saw first of all mike sullivan was here he coached the damn team second of all ron hextall was the general manager for the philadelphia flyers there is no way he didn't know what was going on in pittsburgh there's no way nobody in the hockey world didn't know what was going on in pittsburgh and then fast forward to 2017 and it was jake gensel so what are we doing burying these guys and we'll get to another guy that they're burying right now in a couple minutes but what are we doing burying guys like Bjorkfest, Pousson, and Hollander? P- Pustin had one game. And he was sent down. Do you remember the reason that he was sent down after that one game? Oh, we thought we needed a little bit more size for our next opponent. So they brought up Redeem Zahorna. Since when does size matter to the Pittsburgh Penguins in the style of play that they Where have? did we play that game? Who? What was the size we needed? I don't... I, I don't remember off the top of my head who they who they played in that game right. after I corresponded quickly uh but just but
0: you're right it's what are we exactly doing here it's this is just getting mind-blowing because sure we're going to experiment because our playoff spot is all but locked up sure but at what point does it really become questionable as to what we're doing because again I need to see a little more consistent consistency in the lineup so we know what to expect come the playoffs and whether or not we can put some confidence
1: in this team also we're playing the hurricanes as the next game you needed more size against one of the fastest teams in the national hockey league like that again like what are we doing here i mean we won and this is something you know i really don't care I don't, I don't give a shit about a random game, pardon my French, about a random game back in, what was it? February, March, March, March. In the middle of March, I would much rather get these guys NHL experience because those guys I could see making a difference in the postseason. If Anthony Angelo is ever lined up, if I ever see the Penguins are all lined up and Anthony Angelo's name is on that, I am betting against the Penguins. Absolutely, absolutely. Because at that point, to me, Honestly, it's almost admitting failure. Nothing against... Literally, I don't mean to bury Anthony Angelo. But why is he in this lineup? There are so many better options. I really, like... I really don't want to continue to be like, Hey, this guy sucks because he's an NHL player. And he's much better than I've ever been. But at the same time, when you're in an organization where you should be the 30th or 40th forward, there's no way you should make the top 12. Yep. Yep. (laughs) That's... I mean... I don't know. I could keep saying the same thing over and over again just because I can't make sense of it. And I keep saying it, hoping that something will come to my mind as to why none of these guys. I mean, they called Philip Hollander up whenever three guys went down with a sickness earlier in the week. They they sent him right back down. Why not just be like, all right, you know what? Honestly, Hollander, get in there. Let's see what you can do. Like, that's the type of experimenting. And I was texting, uh, texting with Doug earlier today and he said, I feel like it's a little bit of overcoaching. He's right. It is overcoaching. Why are we, the simple things, young kid playing well in wilkes give him a shot late in the season. Why? Because these games don't matter. What about the defensive lineup? What are your thoughts on that? Too? That's is that next. Yeah. Marcus Pedersen had a rough night on Tuesday. He was walked twice in the same shift by Nathan McKinnon, which again, what can you say? It's Nathan McKinnon. He walks most people, but he looked bad the entire game. First and foremost, let's ask this question. Is Marcus Pedersen a better option than Mark Friedman right now? No. Nope. I agree. Listen, Mark Friedman has his woes as well. But what he brings to this game in a third pairing role is much more than what Marcus Pedersen does. If Mark Friedman gets walked, I have more confidence that he's going to make a play later in the game, whether it is drawing a penalty, whether it is laying a body check, whether it is getting under the skin of the opponent, he is going to help you win the game in more ways than Marcus Pedersen can
0: yeah absolutely he's going to be a pest on this lineup and it's really fun watching him play but then there's marcus Patterson, who sure might be younger wow yeah marcus petterson still might be only 25 but uh you've been around this team for a little while now and it is time to figure it out uh mm-hmm. and do something please at all um genuinely it's just disheartening watching him play
1: sometimes I think we're at a point where the defense, it, it's a little bit scary watching this defense. Mike Matheson, listen, the experience was in full effect on, on Tuesday turns the puck over leading to the Darren Helm goal, really bad turnover at, at, at the blue line. Then he scores a goal. His 11th of the season. Are you five on five goal? Guess what? He is fifth on the team in five on five goals or sixth, something like that. Ridiculous, ridiculous. The problem that I have with this defensive lineup, if you're at the point where you're back to deploying Pedersen and Marino is your third pairing, why have we only seen P.O. Joseph four times this year? P.O.
0: Joseph,
1: uh, even, oh. You don't have to dig dig deeper. Why is P.O. Joseph not getting a chance here?
0: Because Yusuf is still down there because,
1: I don't know. is done. Oh, yeah. We're, we're, uh, I, we're all well aware. Of Rikula's that. contract's up at the end of the season. He's done. But, like, specifically, you have a young defenseman, with P.O. Joseph, that next year, listen, if Chris Letang doesn't come back, and that could be a possibility, you're going to need P.O. Joseph. G- like, next year, he has to be up. Yeah. So, why is he not getting any opportunities this season?
0: Well, actually, Chris Letang's our only contract that's – uh, up this
1: offseason for defense, right? Am I missing one? Nathan Bowie, that doesn't count. Regula, that doesn't. count. The same count. exact time. I don't expect. Listen, take Letang out of this. The five other defensemen that were in the lineup on Tuesday, all five of them are not coming back next season. Oh, you can't. You not no not all five are gone. I'm not. I'm saying not all five of them will be on the roster. That it's not going to be oh, six for yeah, six yeah, overhaul. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. That's not. I thought. Sorry, that's not what I meant. If that's what how it came off. But someone, if not multiple, of these players are going to be off the roster. I, I would assume team. so too. I would. That would have been a very hot take if I would have said, "You know what? All six of them all gone six start t- over,
0: full <laughs> sale change. Uh, everything must go. Give us your good yeah. defenseman for our bad defenseman." Um, but no, no literally,
1: Pedersen or Marino. One of them is gone, in my opinion. I so hope it's Pedersen. To be fair, I st- we I don't care what I i don't i i, I would prefer petterson too but at the same time who's gonna take him it's it and i know the penguins protected marino at the trade deadline but one of them are gone i would hope it's petterson still I mean, marino we've
0: i want to i want to give marino his chances because we signed him for so damn long but uh something's got to give and i feel like if something's going to give between the two of them it's going to be marino that improves more and faster and better whereas petterson he's like i said he's 25 he's getting to that point uh into that age of well this is it this is what you're going to be uh and it's just a bunch of question marks since he got here i think we've been trying to figure out exactly what marcus peterson is as a defenseman Mm -hmm. is he a defensive defenseman is he an offensive is he a we don't know Oh, he's certainly not an offensive
1: defenseman yeah
0: but now that he's been getting these healthy scratches it's just becoming this weird enigma of a defenseman it's what are we doing here we're paying him a ton of money We're paying this defense, of course, so much money, by the way.
1: Yeah, it is the 10th highest paid defense in the league.
0: And for what it's worth, there have been points at this season where you go, yeah, for
1: a good reason. This defense can be great if if the forwards are helping out the way that they can. This defense is not what it is if it doesn't play in the specific system. It is built for this system, which obviously is what you do as a general manager, you build for the coach's system. But when I look at... The seven forwards, including Mark Friedman, four of them have gotten basically guarantees that they're going to be back next season, or at least that they're going to be attempting to bring them back next season. Mark Friedman, because they signed him to an extension. Chad Ruedel, because they signed him to an extension. This organization loves Mike Matheson. I don't think there's an issue of him leaving or being sent out. And Chris Letang, they have said that they will try to do everything in their power to bring him back. The other three, Pedersen, Marino, and Brian Dumoulin. I have not seen anything. Now it doesn't mean there isn't, but I have not seen anything that links this organization to saying, you know, what we look forward to having them for a long time now. With Dumoulin, I mean, is there a scenario that you would have him scratched? You, uh, you, because he played he played pretty bad on Tuesday, and there's been a couple of games where he has looked really bad, so much so that. Sullivan has decided mid-game to put Matheson up with Latang again.
0: That's a hard one, man. I get he hasn't been good.
1: You don't have options is what I'm thinking. Yeah, you don't. Like you, you didn't give yourself that luxury that if he's playing bad that he can... You have leaned too much on him and you have built around him and Latang specifically that... I don't know if you can take him out of the lineup because there's nobody to replace him in the role that he plays for this team right for you ex- you expected it to be Pedersen when he signed that contract but he's he is not that guy
0: oh man it's so hard talking with this defensive core because you look at Letang Dumoulin we've seen the history they have together we know that that could be a great pairing mm-hmm. Marino Pedersen are supposed to be pretty good they're supposed to be they're supposed to be pretty okay we're paying them to be pretty damn good Marino I ex- like I said I expect to be better than Pedersen in the near future so I would hope uh Marina or uh, the one that gets gets gone at some point. <clears throat> Chad Reweedle cracked this lineup and has stayed in damn near every game. Impressive stuff from him. Love seeing him on the third pairing. Hey, we tried him on the second once. Oh, it got scary. Listen, we love Chad Reweedle, but not as the second pairing. <laughs> My goodness. Yeah. No, he is a
1: third pairing. He's a perfect third pairing
0: guy. Yeah. Mike Matheson is Mike Matheson. I think for what it is worth, he's had two decent seasons since he's joined us. I mean, sure, we still don't like seeing that cap hit, but but again, it we don't look at it and cry every night. We kind of go, okay, it hurts, but you know what? He's producing. Last season, he got some good shit out of Cody Cece, and he did pretty fair himself. Mm-hmm. It's not so maybe we're learning something on Mike Matheson is that he's kind of worth a little something. Again, not the exact number, not the exact year, but just he's okay keeping around. Third pairing, he looks to be doing pretty okay. That was one great thing about the about uh, Mike Sullivan's coaching last year especially was he knows how to put the defenseman in the right roles. That was with the downfall of Cody Ceasing in Toronto. He was on their first line. He got here, we, he put, him, we put him on the third, blossomed, had to move him up to the second, still okay. Um, Mark Friedman. Got him paid for it too. Yeah, yeah. And then Mark Friedman, who, you know, is Mark Friedman. We love him. So it's so hard to talk about this defense because we can see how good they all can not be. But for some reason, the Mm -hmm. wheels have fallen off. Now does it come down to a coaching decision there? Uh, Vellucci? That's Reardon. Reardon's doing defense. You're right.
1: Yeah. All right,
0: Todd. This one's up to you.
1: It, when I look at this lineup at the end of the day, I just don't understand what we're trying to accomplish with it. And by we, I mean the coaching staff like experiment. Yes, but don't experiment stupidly. Like if Marino and Peterson aren't working, then where's PO Joseph and Mark Friedman. Okay. I understand. And, and we always said it with Jack Johnson. You cannot be afraid to bench someone because of their cap hit. I don't think anybody is, but at the same exact time, Matheson, there's an argument to be made. He might be the second best defenseman on this team. Right? Yeah, and that's listen. I love Mike Matheson. He's been much better than expected. But that's not a good. That's not a good thing if Mike Matheson is your second best defenseman. No, not good at all. So I don't know what's going on here. I think the at the end of the day, the big question for me is why is Ron Hextall and Brian Burke going to the school of Bob Nutting for handling prospects? Why are we burying? Bjorkfist, Pustinen, Hollander, Nylander, O'Connor, P.O. Joseph. I'm not even going to mention, like, I understand. Poulan and Legare are not ready. That's, I understand. But these other guys, we've seen O'Connor in the NHL level. He has had success in the NHL level. So has Nylander. Hollander hasn't played a game. Pustinen, one for one. One game played, one really good performance. And Bjorkfist also played, he, he held his own, much more than Anthony Angelo was able to. Why are these guys all being stuck down in Wilkes-Barre when you need them to help out at the NHL level especially. I don't know what they're trying to what they're trying to prove with the Penguins current fourth line. I don't know why they think they need the trees. I understand that I and you have backed Brian Boyle on this podcast, but you don't need to start building out from there. You don't need to add like if we ever see a fourth line of Boyle, Angelo and Zahorna, I'm hammering the other team to cover the one and a half goals. So, I I Yes, we have backed Brian Boyle, and I still do back Brian Boyle.
0: It's just, hes it's perfectly okay to take him out of the lineup. You don't have to take our word as gospel. I think we have said well, well, on a couple of occasions, hey, we don't want Brian Boyle out of this lineup. Well, that's whenever he's playing very well, and because other guys in this lineup shouldn't be, and he's our next resort. It's not our last resort, but then he's our next option. If you have to take him out, take him out. Do it. Go for it. I'm not angry at it. But please, make sure other guys are out of the lineup before him. Uh, that being said, though, yeah, if we see Skyline 2.0 with way less production,
1: uh, <laughs> please know it's not happening. And this is the last thing I'll say on it. Then we can take a break and, and come back with shout outs and calls to finish it. But the last thing I'll say on it is this. I wanted to see these young guys and we've listed them off probably a 100 times in this segment so far at this point of the season. With 11 games left, less than a month until game one of the playoffs, it is too late. They screwed themselves because guess what? I don't know what to expect from any of these guys to play on a third line. I don't know what to expect from Pustin in playing on a line with Malkin if that's what you need because they didn't experiment with it when they had the chance. And now if you throw them in here late, you risk it not working and you risk not being able to find a groove heading into the playoffs. They could lose every game the rest of the season. And guess what? I would be more upset because they failed to do anything earlier than this to where you gave yourself options. That's Honestly, that might be why Angelo's in the, in, the, in the lineup because they're like, well, we've seen him extended periods of time. We haven't seen Hollander and Pustin. And well, that's your fault because you didn't do it whenever you had the injury issues and you could have called up one of these young guys and instead you called up Zahorna several times. Instead, you used Boyle every single time. I wouldn't have minded if they were like, "Listen, Brian Boyle's been great for us, but we're going to sit him for a couple games, and we're going to bring up Drew O'Connor and see how he does." Yeah, Brian Boyle's a that would have been a that would have been the idea, but we're but it's too late now. Brian Boyle's in my also opinion. It, it, old. You got to rest him. Yeah. Well, at the end of the day, I think if at this point we haven't seen it, we're not going to see it. It's been too late, and I think that was a gross mismanagement of this this roster. In my idea, I'm not I'm not done on the Penguins by any stance. Of the word, and this has very little to do about the being the loser in the last two games, and more to do with the fact that there is literally five guys and you're putting a guy like Anthony Angelo in the line. Burgers and fries. Correct. So we're gonna take a quick break. Now I'm hungry, but when we come back, we're gonna do shout-outs and call-outs.
0: Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first round draft bust. We have it all and more on the hockey podcast network. Your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL.
1: Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network as well as DraftKings. I'll do it right this time. Brought to you by DraftKings. Use promo code THBN at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use promo code THBN again for great odds and opportunities. There it is. Hit better. I sufficiently pissed myself off last segment. For what? Like I'm going to be mad all day now, and there's no reason to be mad other than the fact that yeah, it's it, it's irritating that they kind of missed the opportunity to start more young guys. But you know what? Let's move on with that. Let's. Let's go to shout outs to get me in a better mood here because even my call out this week is going to be funny and like happy, upbeat. Let's start with shout outs. I'm shouting out Pat Mack.
0: Yes. Okay, cool. So we share we share a shout out because I'm shouting at the WWE as a whole.
1: Okay. Can I, can I do you Pat Mack? if you can McAfee McAfee hit with everything yes. else? Okay. Well, listen. Me and you watched wrestling a lot in college, mainly because of my roommate freshman year and get this, everybody listening. His name was Nick. Love it. <laughs> the three Knicks he got us back into, like I watched wrestling when I was a kid, but I stopped watching cause you know, as, as people do and then getting to college, my roommates watching it. So, you know, start watching again. We got into it a couple years. We were very into wrestling. Every time it came to Pittsburgh, we'd go to PPG paints arena and watch raw watch SmackDown. And then about junior year, senior year stopped watching and haven't really watched since. I do listen to the Pat McAfee show, though. And hearing that he was going to have a match, I was like, cool, I'll check out the Pat McAfee thing. Also, I texted that same Nick, Nick Ballard, and was like, hey, what, what do I have to like look forward to? Is there anything else? And there were a couple things, and I watched it kind of sectioned off. But Pat McAfee specifically, that whole segment, he had like eight WrestleMania moments wrapped up into one segment. First and foremost, let's start with the entrance fantastic. I was like, I don't even know what he's going to come out. What song is he going to come out to? What's he going to be wearing? Whatever. First of all, it came out in ripped jeans and tank top, which is very on brand for the brand. Secondly, comes out to seven nation army by the white stripes, which is just premium for a former NFL punter to come out to speaking of NFL escorted by the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders. And then he punts a football, probably 80 yards into the stands. And I realized, oh, yeah, this guy was an NFL punter. This guy was not just a punter. He was the punter for a couple of years in the National Football League. He absolutely crushed that.
0: Michael ball. Cole said it multiple times. He was all, the
1: all-decade punter in the NFL. My God. I, I, I always forget that because nobody thinks about that. So there's the entrance. Fantastic. I was, I was hyped up. Then he beats Austin Theory and looked pretty impressive doing it. Yeah. He was actually very entertaining. Probably not as good as Jake Paul was, but still, he's older, and his bones are probably a little more rickety than than, than Jake Paul. But he looked great, beats Austin Theory, gets his WrestleMania moment, moment, then takes the L to Mr. McMahon, which is a rite of passage that not many people do. Like, he got to put Mr. McMahon over at WrestleMania. Think about that sentence, first and foremost. 70-something-year-old Vince McMahon. I mean, seventy-six-year-old absolutely ripped Vince I, McMahon. I, also in a tank. I mean, talk. you definitely couldn't.
0: Like, I, I remember watching that part and thinking, "What move are you going to put on Vince McMahon exactly?" Because you can't. You're gonna break him.
1: I wish he would have swanton Vince McMahon. Oh, can we? Would have been great.
0: I mean, I know he, I know he avoided it, but could you imagine if he connected a punt to Austin Theory? He's losing a jaw.
1: Yeah, probably. I. But nonetheless, that was great. Uh, what else was I going to say? There was something else. but And then he gets rescued by Stone Cold Steve Austin. He's out there for the glass breaking, and he's involved in the action. That's great. Shares a beer with Stone Cold. Takes a beautiful stunner. One of the best reactions to a stunner with the basically Bellagio Fountain of stunner reactions. And then creates the most amazing, and I've already posted it several times in association with the Pittsburgh Penguins, an amazing meme chugging a Steve Weiser. Laying flat on his back outside the ring. It was like two seconds, but it has gone basically viral on the internet. Great WrestleMania for Pat McAfee. I did watch a couple of other things, like two or three of the, what was it, like eight hours worth of content. Two days. but Two days. I I watched literally two or three matches from two days. But Pat McAfee, everything that happened when he was out there as a, a wrestler was very entertaining. I will not watch wrestling again, probably till next mania maybe depending probably maybe not even then but that was worth the price of admission which was nothing for me because i watched it home
0: and shout out to peacock you pay (laughs) it monthly and now it's just there um yeah i'll start back from the beginning as well because my shout out is just the wwe as a whole and that match and that event specifically is was going to be a part of my notes um Mm -hmm. yeah we started watching wrestling restarted watching wrestling freshman year of college i can tell you the exact time i got out of it it was wrestlemania our senior year when it was five hours and the only good thing that happened was kofi kingston winning i said that's it and that wasn't even the close of the show that happened in the middle of the show and we had to watch for like another two and a half i said i'm done here i've had enough because when we restarted it was in a decent spot like taker was still okay triple h was still wrestling man
1: just came back Shano
0: was there um things were looking okay it wasn't the greatest but it was okay Mm -hmm. Uh, things definitely faded off by the time we had uh, by the time we had gotten out of it AEW grew into the monster that it is over that time Uh, but I had always at least since I stopped watching I'd always at least kind of kept up with storylines who's got champions and I would try and see who won the rumble for some reason this year I was like I'm gonna watch the rumble I have nothing else going on um me and megan sat down had a couple drinks and watched the rumble very unentertaining shay mcmahon got fired over it i think i called the wwe out for it actually um
1: i think so. i don't remember
0: but i knew mania was coming i had zero 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 expectations right none the only things i was looking forward to was the pat mcafee match i did not care to see lesnar reigns for the fifth seventh eighth ninth time <laughs> didn't care yeah. But they kept adding things in that I'm like, that's interesting. Which was the Seth Rollins against a mystery man. And then we all, then Ballard told me, Cody Rhodes. So I was like, oh, okay. I mean, we didn't see good Cody Rhodes in the WWE. We saw Stardust. Cool. You had to remember that. Um, what else was there? But they kept adding things that kept making it interesting. And then the two days, that being two days. That's uh, Yeah, that was dumb. You could have combined the good stuff from each day and made one good Mania, I think.
1: Instead, you had and it would it, it would have been four and a half hours, which is how long it should be. But if it's your big thing, it's your
0: one thing, four and a half hours. And if it's and if it's four and a half hours of greatness, you've succeeded. Instead, you have four and a half hours of greatness in nine hours. You didn't do that great, so it wasn't the greatest Mania. Hell no, but it had some of the best stuff that we have seen in a long time. And that's what I'm getting at here because there was the Steve Austin thing. That whole feud was the reason why I went to Raw before Mania. Because I thought, ooh, Steve Austin might come out and say, let's make it a match on Saturday. No, they did that all at once. And I said, you could have done that on Monday. This could have been an email. (laughs) Steve Steve was not going to Pittsburgh. He wasn't leaving Texas. No, but I thought that would have been cool as hell. Anyway, the Steve Austin thing was awesome. Um, That was like the only good thing from day one really though.
1: The Rollins. Oh, the Rollins
0: thing! Forgot about that. Yeah, I
1: didn't. You know what? I didn't even watch that match. I watched Cody's entrance, and then I turned. It I off. think that was
0: part of two. I wasn't able to see all of Mady on Saturday. I saw the ending, and then clips of everything else. Didn't care for everything else, I guess. Uh, but yeah, Seth Rollins, Cody Rhodes, and then uh, Steve Austin at the end. That's good stuff. That's not bad. But again, you fit all this into one day because Sunday was definitely the better day. The Johnny Knoxville, Sami Zayn match was fucking hysterical. I loved it, every second of it. Um, so that was cool. The Edge, uh, AJ Styles match, super, super long, but they're two phenomenal wrestlers, and they did a great job. And then the interruption ending of a guy I didn't even know who it was. So hey. Yeah. Um, then the Pat McAfee thing happened, and oh my God, blew the roof off the blew the roof off of Jerry World. And I said, fold the company there. You're never topping that.
1: And guess what? They didn't top it the rest of the night. They didn't.
0: But for what it is worth, Reigns-Lesnar was... It was probably better than expected. I don't know if Reigns actually...
1: It was was what it can be. It's two guys that use three moves. Yeah. And I
0: I don't know if Reigns actually did separate his shoulder, but it seemed like the match got cut short.
1: It looked like it.
0: And uh, you know what? It was easy to exceed ankle-high expectations, but they did it. And for what it's (laughs) worth... um, i will be definitely watching the rumble again i'm not gonna watch every week anymore that's for damn sure it didn't get me that far back into it but it's cool seeing pittsburgh pennsylvania by way of indianapolis indiana Mm -hmm. pat mcafee do some cool shit uh it's cool seeing stone cold just have fun he was just having fun out there wasn't he (laughs) yeah and oh yeah Triple H opened the Sunday show uh, with his official retire official official retirement. love that that was my boy back then. and hey, you know what they did a good thing for once. It had been a long time. Yeah. it wasn't great again, um, two days of a lot of crap. but they did good good.
1: So I think I found the best way for me to take in wrestling now and it sucks because I used I literally used to watch Monday every pay-per-view every friday every like even nxt back then but like the way i will consume wrestling from here on out is i will wait till the week of i will look at the card and i'll pick out the two or three matches that i will watch this year it was the mcafee one i did watch lesnar reigns and i watched aj styles versus edge because edge in the first time i watched wrestling was my favorite and then the second time i watched it was aj styles so it's like all right that's a cool match and then it pissed me off because Edge didn't have his his classic music. Yeah, so again, I, I will only absorb and take in WWE content. Probably AEW, honestly, more. But uh, WWE itself, I'll probably take in that content the week of Mania, and then two matches over Mania. And that. And it.
0: I will still hold on to the Rumble just because I think that's a really
1: fun event. Um, I don't know why. I don't. I don't know enough of the people to care about all thirty. <laughs> So I won't do that. You're right, but I
0: think no matter what, you will almost always know the winner, and it's cool seeing the uh, vintage pops. Yeah, nostalgia I think I'm pops. Over that's what I was uh, thinking
1: of. Yeah. So let's move over to call out to get off of WWE because we, we stuck on that for a little while. Um I'm calling out the Pittsburgh Pirates, and this is preemptive strike here. Not for anything that they have done, but for what I know they will do, and it will be to disappoint me this year. I am taking their under. In over-under wins at DraftKings, I believe it's 65 and a half. I think they're losing 100 games this year, specifically because the AL division that they have to play is the AL East, which is Yankees, Blue Jays, Red Sox, somebody else in there, the Rays. And then, you know, those Orioles versus Pirates games are for the toilet bowl. Uh, Opening day is today. 415 first pitch at St. Louis. Don't have high hopes for this team, but I am excited to watch what Brian Reynolds does this season, Cabrian Hayes. I am excited for Mitch Keller. I think he's going to have a better season uh, whenever O'Neill Cruz is brought up. Same with Roenzi Contreras. They should be up in Pittsburgh at some point this season. I'm excited to watch them. I'm excited to keep an eye on young guys that will certainly not be in Pittsburgh this year, but maybe two years down the road. Gonzalez, Paguero, Priester, Henry Davis. Those guys, I watched them last season as much as I could. They all played for Greensboro in high A. Very entertaining, very talented players. If they pay off, it should be very interesting. It would be nice to see them start without Tuna because I love watching curve baseball. I love going to curve baseball games and I'd love for all four of them to be there. So hopefully at some point this season, they're there. But nonetheless, this is a call out because I know no matter how excited I can get, i'm gonna be let down by this this organization and by this team this year
0: which one of those names is getting traded spin the wheel <sighs> <Nope. laughs> like he gone uh and hey we still gotta figure out brian reynolds contracts
1: yeah and keep brian hayes's contract as well. well at least we are offering him money well, yeah, but I saw that tweet where they said, "Oh, they took a this this time a serious offer." I was like, "Yeah, I could definitely see them giving it the old college try." Me like, "We'll give you two dollars. Will you play for that?" And then being like, "You're ridiculous."
0: Uh, yeah, the Pirates gonna be brutal. Pirates gonna be brutal, but you know what? PNC Park will be fun. It always is.
1: I'll have to come up for a couple games at PNC Park. I need to look at the schedule and find out when they come down to DC and watch them at Nats Park because I do want to watch this team, although they'll be pretty bad. I can tell you when um, they come to Nats Park, actually. I can, I can look that up after, but, um, let's finish this part off. I know you still have your call out. Let me finish my call out with this. Who are you predicting to win the world series as of right now?
0: Oh Lord.
1: Opening day 2022, who wins the world series? Or what do you say? That's cool. Well, that's
0: really hard because baseball is so <clears throat> top heavy. Um as I look at teams, see the Braves are already the champions. Ooh,
1: who's going to be good this year? Who's even going to be good this year? Like who went where? All right, well I didn't know that you had that little knowledge about what's going on in the baseball. Oh, I'm on still on I'm still
0: trying to get used to the fact they got out of the lockout. <clears throat>
1: Okay. Well, I'll just answer mine then. I don't, I don't have to, you don't have to be on the spot. Uh, I think the LA Dodgers defeat the Boston Red Sox in this year's world series. The Red Sox are a little bit of an underdog because they are not there in that tough AL East division, but I really like that they added Trevor story and then the Dodgers, I mean, look at their freaking lineup. I mean, the bot, the back of their rotation is not great, but the beginning of their rotation is still Walker Bueller, Clayton Kershaw, uh, Rias, I don't remember what his first name was, but then you look at their lineup and it's just unfair. And sometimes, yeah, that doesn't work in baseball. But this year, looking at the Dodgers, it's going to take a monumental collapse for them. They're in a tough division too, but they're just that damn good. Adding Freddie Freeman is unfair and I'm riding with the Dodgers. I know it's the favorite and I know it's kind of a chalk pick, but I'm going with the Dodgers. and I think they beat the Red Sox in the finals and the World Series. I don't know why I said the finals. I like the Padres, though. I'm ho- I'm hoping the Padres have a good season, but it's really tough when Tatis is going to be out until, like... January. You know what? I do like the
0: Padres, too. I'm going to make that my answer, because I, you say the Red Sox and the Dodgers, and I just want to blow my brains out. That's another World the, Series the I will be watching.
1: Fox will love it. Fox will be like, yes! Boston, LA? That's, like, the the only thing that could be better for Fox is LA versus the Yankees. But I don't see that happening.
0: Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Um. All right. Yeah, I would say the Padres just because I want to hold on to something this year. Something good this year.
1: There you go. I have Machado as my NL MVP, so there oh, you go. Okay. Not even Tatis. Love it. Uh, what is your uh, call out?
0: So, there's a lot of people getting on the Phoenix Coyotes, and it's rightfully so. Once again, the Whoop. Coyotes cannot do anything correctly, and I still don't get why people defend this team. I don't. Mm-hmm. Listen with this whole Trevor egress Troy Terry Jay Beagle situation, let's just tell it like it is. Yes. You're going to defend your guy. You know, Trevor's egress is going to poke at a loose puck. Jay Beagle is going to take exception to that. That's fine. You're going to take a shot. Troy Terry is going to try and pull a guy off of somebody that's going to happen. Yes. One shot to the head is probably going to happen because it's hockey and it's Jay Beagle. When a man is down on the ice, clearly not fighting you do not then throw three more i don't care who you are jay beagle i didn't even realize you were still in this league but you were on the garbage 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 not an nhl team arizona coyotes they're going to play in a university that's what that's what they are they're on a university team don't care for this fucking team anymore i honestly get the damn bleep button ready because i'm over these arizona coyotes very over it and then the announcer has the balls to go on and say first of all skill it up do you know how to announce my friend skill it up are you kidding that's a terrible sentence but yes they are going to skill it up they are going to smile at each other they're a team coming out of an 11 game winning streak and you know what they're doing they're kicking the shit out of your dog shit team (laughs) they lost 11 in a row maybe you should have made it 12 but no you're that bad you lost to the team that lost 11 in a row five nothing no less they're gonna do what they want because guess what both of your teams are out of the playoffs who gives a shit let them do what they want this happens in hockey all the time no it doesn't guys are not down on the ice basically injured and guys are swinging on them if they do that should be uh, some discipline but it wasn't because department of player safety is also a bunch of hog shit but the Arizona Coyotes can't do anything right. They can't handle a loose puck correctly and the announcers can't handle uh, kids being very good at the game correctly. Uh, I'm over this team. Fold them, please. Or if you don't, uh, you know what? It's gonna be embarrassing watching them play in a college uh, college facility. And oh yeah, they won't be able to play it until like the third month of the season. Fold the team. I don't care. Uh, I don't want to directly uh, call out our peers at the network over the, with the coyotes they're good people i know they are we know they're good people uh but man that team i can't do it with that team anymore
1: mm-hmm. well i knew you were upset whenever you called them the phoenix coyotes that was a little bit of a maybe an unintentional dig but no, oh, I, I did <laughs> i was ranting yeah. about it in my head yesterday and i said phoenix coyotes and i said to myself
0: no i'm keeping that <laughs> i don't care anymore <laughs> i didn't realize i did it again uh the arizona Coyotes, regardless that's Oh, I can't do it anymore.
1: And here's what I'll say in response to this. And I've thought about it. Obviously, I listened to a bunch of people also talk about it and formed my own opinion, which is what most people should do. Uh, but Jay Beagle should not be judged based on his worst moment. That was a bad right? Moment. It was a really bad moment. He was... Way out of line. That was awful. But I'm not going to sit here and say that Jay Beagle himself is trash. Right. There's a reason he's still in this league, and it is because he's a valued teammate wherever he goes. He's thought of very highly in in the old boys club, which is the NHL still. And he's overall been not a dirty player. He's been a fourth-line grinder. He's a physical player. He's not a dirty player. But he was caught in a bad moment. That was his worst moment on that night. And he made a mistake. Should he have been punished? Yes. The Department of Player Safety, there is no solace for them. That was way off base. Now, for Tyson Nash, who is the color commentator for the Arizona Coyotes that made those statements, he did come out with that interview on Sunday saying, listen, I shouldn't have said skill it up. I didn't have an issue with the Michigan, which was scored early in the thing. He said his issue was seeing the Ducks smirking, yep. smiling, laughing, making fun of the Arizona Coyotes, a team that has basically had it at this point of the season. And he also said, you're up 5 to nothing, you don't need to be doing stuff like that poking at the goaltender. And listen, from that stance, I understand it. Listen, you're going to be upset. I get that. But still, what Jay Beagle did that night was not defensible. It wasn't. Now, that was like I said, it was it was Beagle's worst moment. You cannot judge him as a person based on that action but at the same exact time when Tyson Nash says that stuff and then he said something else later in the interview and I cannot remember what it was but once again it just kind of put him right back on the back burner not a good look for him not a good look for the Coyotes organization and not a good look for Jay Beagle I don't want to indict Jay Beagle based on one action I do want to indict the way that Tyson Nash tried to come back and defend it and still kind of put himself in the ground a little bit more. he doubled down
0: he doubled down which is terrible uh, yeah, I'm not directly attacking J.B. Eagle. I am kind of giving a shot at him because he gave shots to other people. Um, Tyson, Tyson asked Nash mostly for the comments because it sounded... Honestly, if you watch the video at one point, like you hear him continue his rant on it, and it sounds like they cut the mics. Like there's there's, just a, there's a bunch of silence. It sounds like the producer said, that's enough of that, and cut the mics. If someone did, shout out to them. But for now, it's just... The Coyotes, it, it It's just, you're tacking this incident onto the laundry list of a season they've had. You want to know yeah. why that they're having fun on the ice? Because they're playing hockey. They're playing hockey. They're playing the sports that they love, their kids. And they're winning again. They were winning 5 nothing after an 11-game losing streak. Good for them. And you know what's funny is that um, in the interview that uh, Zegers gave afterwards, he talked about the goal differential and how much fun like his team is having playing the game. You want to know how entertaining Trevor Zegers has been this year? We li- I live in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, right? Out More often than not, you're not going to see a hockey uh, logo of any kind outside of a penguin, maybe a flyer, maybe uh, lo- closer ones, maybe a capital logo. I saw someone wearing a Trevor Zegers Anaheim Ducks jersey in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. That is good for the game, what he is doing. What Trevor Beagle, Trevor Beagle, what Jay Beagle did. Now, again, I'm not throwing it all on Jay Beagle. It's just wrong. It's just one wrong incident. Sure, he's a great guy. Sure, he's a great locker room guy. There's a whole other thing about the boys club that could be discussed with Keith Yandel that I don't want to do right now. (laughs) I don't care for it. Um, But you're not going to see Jay Beagle sure as he's around. Trevor Zegers has grown this game so much with what he's done and having fun with the game that's random people in pittsburgh pennsylvania or unless she was from there i don't know didn't care to ask i just saw it thought it was cool (laughs) she was wearing a trevor Zegers jersey and that is just not anything you would ever see in pittsburgh pennsylvania which in and of itself is a small hockey market for its own team so he's growing the game one way or the other troy terry's growing the game one way or the other and you can't just attack guys when they're down and you are just tacking it on to the long list of horse shit that has happened with the Phoenix Coyotes this year Um, and it is a race to the bottom of worst seasons in NHL history off ice wise between uh, a couple of franchises this year
1: so you you called a Phoenix damn it (laughs) (laughs) oh my god hey listen that's how mad you are you don't even want to call them by the right name
0: should I just call them the Quebec Nordiques? Or no, they were the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, they were the Winnipeg
1: Jets. They, yeah, they were the Winnipeg right. Jets. Well, Take it away. I'm uh, done un, here. Un, uh, understandably, you're you're not happy with the Coyotes and the way that they've gone. And understandably, also they've had a rough couple of years uh, when it comes to. I feel bad for media. Phil Kessel, man. I do. <laughs> he's gonna. He's not. He's gonna be gone. Thank God. Season. So, uh, he won't be in Arizona. I mean. If they want to take a page out of anyone's book, and I can't believe I'm saying this, they should they should look at the Buffalo Sabers because the Sabers have had a really really good stretch the last couple of months. Yeah, off the ice and on the ice, they've done a really good job. Looked good. So that's gonna do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg. We'll be back on Monday with a new episode. Both calmed down. I was getting upset about the Penguins. Horwath is clearly big mad over the Arizona Coyotes. Let's all fall back on Pat McAfee at WrestleMania just and have a good time. Just think about McAfee throwing up the Ben Roethlisberger sign yes. at WrestleMania, and uh, you'll be happier the rest of your day the way that we will be. But that's going to do it for this episode of The Tip of the Iceberg. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll see you all, all next week. Have a great weekend, Pence fans. You can follow us on Twitter at Nick horwat 41 and at NickBurlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcast from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.